This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, September 13th. I'm Rob Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. September 11th through September 17th is Patriot Week, a week dedicated to honoring and remembering America's history. Judge Michael Warren started Patriot Week more than a decade ago with his daughter. He joins the Daily Signal podcast today to share the history of the week and how you can take part in this celebration. We also read your letters to the editor and share a good news story about a police officer who saved nine lives during her first year of service. Before we get to today's show, Rob and I want to tell you about our favorite way to get the news every morning. It's called The Morning Bell, and each weekday, The Daily Signal delivers the top news and commentary directly to your inbox for free. You will be able to read about the policy debates shaping the agenda, analysis from Heritage Foundation experts, and commentary from leading conservatives like Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, and Cal Thomas. It's easy to sign up. Just visit DailySignal.com and click on the Connect button in the top right corner of the page. We'll start sending you the morning bell tomorrow. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. I am so pleased to welcome back to the show Michael Warren, a judge and the co-creator of Patriot Week, a week dedicated to honoring and remembering America's history. Judge Warren, thank you for being here. Well, as you know, I am a daily listener to The Daily Signal, so it is really my pleasure to come back. Thank you so much. Uh, Oh, it's a joy to have you back. You were with us about a year ago, actually almost exactly a year ago, and you told us about uh, Patriot Week and what you all do about its founding uh, and and the week it runs every year from September 11th, obviously an incredibly significant day, through September 17th, which is Constitution Day. So if you would just refresh our memory, what is really the mission of Patriot Week and why did you decide to found it? Well, our slogan is renewing the American spirit and Uh, I think in today's day and age, our listeners will agree that our country is in a real crisis. Uh, We are in a struggle for the soul of America. Um, Originally, when it started, it was more because of uh, commercialization and ignorance and just kind of uh, complacency about our founding first principles and our history. And now we're really under assault. There are so many people that um, in our country and outside of our country that really are challenging the underlying fundamental principles of who we are as Americans. Um, Not only do we have, and and of course we've always had the terrorists and that was part of the reason we picked 9-11 as our beginning date, but um, it seems like America is truly under assault uh, across the globe and within. Uh, There are these movements that uh, are condemning uh, America's foundations, challenging our uh, our fundamental principles, uh, con- condemning everybody in our origins as racist, uh, ignoring um, the great strides that we have made. It seems like the more strides that we make, uh, the less satisfied people are, uh, at least some segments of our society. And so the point is to remind everyone about why America really is the greatest nation in world history. What made us that and uh, what we need to do to be able to preserve our freedom and liberty in the future. Mm. Oh, that's certainly so needed, as you say, right now at this moment in history. Now, you actually co-founded Patriot Week 
with your daughter. Tell us a little bit about her, how old she is now, uh, and and how you, as a dad, inspire her and have inspired her to care about American history and our, our founding documents. Well, first, I want to remind our listeners that uh, they can find out all about our story at patriotweek.org. And um, the story begins when she was just 10 years old. My daughter and I were sitting at a lunch table. And to really understand this, you have to learn a little bit more about me. I am an adult convert to Catholicism. When I was raised as a young child, my father and mother um, really were not religious. My father is, uh, at the time, he's changed a little now, thank goodness. But at the time, he was uh, an atheist, a disaffected Jew. And my mother was a disaffected Catholic. And I was raised as a nothing. And they used to say to me, Mike, you can believe anything you want. Just remember, it's all baloney. But they used a stronger term. And uh, so I started as an atheist and then became an agnostic. And then in law school, of all places, the Holy Spirit came and found me. And I converted basically overnight, much to the surprise of all my friends and family. Still remember calling up my grandma from Ann Arbor and saying, uh, Grandma, you're going to take me to uh, church this weekend. And she said, uh, Michael? I go, yep. She goes, is this a joke? I go, no, Grandma, really. You're going to take me to church this weekend. And I quickly converted to Catholicism, much to her joy and, like I said, uh, <laughs> confusion to the rest of my family and friends. And I tell you that because as an adult, I had to learn about the liturgical calendar. I knew a little bit about it before, but we have a series of religious holidays like Ash Wednesday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, uh, Pentecost, Advent, uh, Christmas, Easter. And uh, we have those days to stop on the hustle bustle of our life and to renew our faith. And all the great religions have this idea of a liturgical calendar. Muslims, Jews, uh, Buddhists, Hindus, they all have this idea. And America, uh, you know, I'm a, a history, a kind of a uh, not just a history nerd, but I, I, I do deep dives into history, I realized that America used to have a civic calendar. We had Washington's birthday, Lincoln's birthday, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, for the same exact reason, to stop on the hustle bustle of our days and to renew our faith in America. And in fact, uh, this was something that was understood by the Founding Fathers right out of the box. When we declared independence, John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail that the anniversary of that day should be forever commemorated and celebrated with bells and bonfires and games and celebrations and illuminations in the sky from one end of the continent to the other now and forevermore. And he was right. We still have Fourth of July celebrations. But he also said it should be a solemn day of devotion for the blessings of liberty. It ought to be solemnized. Now, I don't know about you, but last time I had a hot dog at July 4th party, it was not a particularly <laughs> solemn occasion. So I was explaining this to my then 10-year-old daughter, Leah. Uh, we were at a lunch table. She got very upset pounded on that table and said, Dad, that's wrong. We need to do something. We need to start a new celebration for America. And I went, uh-oh, <laughs> I can't <laughs> complain and then not do anything about it. So we decided to be audacious and to dis to do a week, uh, kind of following the, the um, Kwanzaa model and some other models of, of longer uh, celebrations. Then we looked for anchor dates and we decided 9-11 which at the time, a lot of people still do, uh, were struggling with what to do with that date. And then 917 is the anniversary of the signing of the Constitution. That's called Constitution Day. So we have those anchor dates. And every day we celebrate a founding first principle from a Declaration of Independence, key documents and speeches that embody them, founding fathers and other great patriots that made those come alive in America. And then my daughter said, Dad, 
we need to get the kids excited. Uh, let's have fireworks. And I said, Leah, we do need to get the kids excited, but you know, fireworks, you got to go outside. It's kind of expensive. It's, it's kind of taken. She goes, oh yeah, you're right, dad. Let's have flags. Kids love flags. And we have all these really cool flags from American history that we don't know what to do with. We don't really have a reason to learn about it. And now we do for Patriot Week. Um, mm-hmm. It's been recognized by the U.S. Senate unanimously a couple years in a row now. Hopefully going to be recognized again this year. We have uh, about 17 state legislatures and governors who've recognized it. We have all kinds. It's very grassroots. So we have all kinds of different activities. Uh, We've had parades, paloozas, picnics, panel discussions, um, uh, debates, a, a gubernatorial debate that I presided over, looking at those founding first principles, uh, uh, just uh, a lot of classroom activities, community organizations that have been involved. So a wide range of activities. And again, you can go to patriotweek.org to learn about those. And then we also have on our website, we've launched a, a podcast. Uh, we have uh, lesson plans. We have all kinds of information about those founding first principles and all the other um, features that we celebrate. And it's, it's really become... Uh, Start you know, the heart of it's in Michigan, but it is becoming a national phenomenon. Mm. And now, so to answer your original question, she's now 22. Leah's <laughs> 22, and she's in medical school uh, at Wayne State. Uh, wants to be an emergency emergency physician, but she's still involved. She's on our board of directors. We have a, a 501c3 nonprofit and contributes significantly. And so it's it's been a great uh, pairing uh, for my daughter and I. Very very special uh, that that we're able to share that. Uh, what a special thing indeed to get to start something like this with your daughter and for so many years now, for, for more than a decade, to see it continue and individuals learn about America's founding and our founding documents. That's so, so critical. And I love the framing of that, that in this backdrop of, OK, we have all these holidays and we have specific weeks where we celebrate certain things. It only makes sense that, yes, we have a specific week every year to remind ourselves of, of our nation's history and of those documents that, you know, maybe you read in school, but as an adult, gosh, it's uh, certainly easy to go a year, a decade without ever looking at the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. And uh, what a special time to get to remind ourselves of those principles. So if you would talk a little bit more uh, about just the practicals of, of Patriot Week. I mean, are you all giving lectures on your website? Are there uh, you know, interactive assignments people can do? And is this really geared more towards uh, students or adults or both? Uh, it is definitely geared towards everyone uh, from five-year-olds to 99-year-olds. And I don't want to diss the centurion, so uh, to, to the oldest that you can be. Uh, yes, we do have a, a lot of material online. One thing that we have is what we call daily rituals or celebrations. So if you're by yourself, you know, you're, you're in a rural area, you, you don't have a lot of folks that you can get together with, you can go and, and we have a set of activities that you can do by yourself or with your family or with your friends. Uh, something uh, very simple is, it could be a five-minute activity to something that could take up to an hour. So we have like three different levels. Uh, we have, uh, the podcast has... Uh, 48-ish episodes uh, doing our, four, our 49th on uh, 9-11. And these are very deep dives on a variety of topics, including the Declaration of Independence. We literally went through each word of the Declaration of Independence. As far as I can tell, nobody's really done it this way. Um, Heritage has done a great job with the Constitution, so we can't compete there. 
but with regard to the declaration, uh, we're going to have something that's very unique. And so people can learn there. We have over 150 TV shows. And you can see Leah and I are co-hosts. So you can see her grow up over the years. So that's really cool. Uh, lesson plans that people can download and do with your, their students or do for themselves to remind themselves uh, of, of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., um, you know, the, 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 we, have, we have a variety of topics. So every day we celebrate a first principle. And I, I just want to spend a minute on that. Uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to establish new government, laying its foundation such principles and organizing its power such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness." Those words from the Declaration of Independence were revolutionary in 1776. They remain revolutionary today, and they are under assault by ignorance, people don't care, as well as by people that actually don't believe in equality. They want to divide us up. They don't want to treat everybody the same. They don't believe in the rule of law. They want to take to the streets and force people to do what they want to do. Um, you know, Every one of those principles is under assault now. We have to remind Americans about why those principles made us such a wonderful country, unique in the whole course of human history. And if we can remember those principles, the people that brought them to life, and again, it's not just the Founding Fathers, it goes all the way to Martin Luther King Jr., Susan B. Anthony. You know, We've had a long uh, march of freedom uh, and liberty in our country and equality. We need to recognize that, recognize our flaws, but also recognize all the wonderful things that America can be and fulfill its its first principles. Uh, so we celebrate the principles, the people that uh, brought them to life, the documents and the flags that, that embody that. And there's a s slew of ways to get involved. I encourage people to, if they have new ideas, uh, to do them on their own. You know, we don't, you know, we, you have Mother's Day, you celebrate any way you want. You don't have to go to some foundation to figure out how to do it. But I would encourage people to reach out to me directly at M as in Michael Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, at patriotweek.org if they're interested in getting engaged because this is very grassroots um, and if they have ideas about uh, how to take this uh, even further. Mm. Uh, and Judge Warren, as we have just marked as well the, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, what do you think is is really some of those those key principles that we need to be teaching the younger generation what what is it that we need to be instilling in them you know for those that uh, that maybe weren't even born yet on on 9/11 or that were so young that they don't remember you know as as we look back as a nation and as we look towards our future and how we can move forward as a stronger country and push back against division and actually become more united how how do we get young people to um, to be excited, to be passionate about our our founding, about our history, and to be patriotic citizens. That is a great challenge, a great question. So first off, I would say that um, I'm a former member of the State Board of Education. I've still been very involved in education uh, ever since I left the State Board. I've been on the bench over 18 years, but who's counting? 
And um, what I've realized is that we don't do a good job at all about teaching American history and civics. Uh, We have a system that's set up to fail. It's not because we don't have good teachers. We have a lot of great teachers, but it's just not a priority in the school system. So one thing that we really need to do is lift up uh, American history and civics to the the fundamental forefront of uh, education. You know, we have public schools because there were really two reasons. The first was people needed to be able to read so they could read the Bible and be saved. And the second reason was we needed to understand the foundations of our country so we could maintain our free republic. Those are the two main things. Now, obviously, we don't teach the Bible anymore uh, in schools, or at least not in the way that uh, those that started public education had in mind. And we have really relegated civics and history to uh, the back burner. So we, we need to f- change that completely uh, to um, have civics and American history be up front uh, and center of education. Secondly, we need to be honest. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism about our history in the past, and that's there's, there is a lot to be critical of, but we also need to recognize all the great things that America's had. So a balanced view. And specifically on 9-11, and we're, this is the 20th anniversary Um, I've gone into schools and talked to students about 9-11 and asked them what happened. And they say, well, the the Twin Towers fell. I go, okay, but why? And then you might get a couple kids say, well, you know, planes. And I said, okay, but why? And they go, well, you know, they were terrorists. I said, okay. Uh, And, and you know, less kids even understand that. I say, okay, what were the terrorists trying to do? And then you get silence. So, you know, they hated America. They wanted to destroy us. They wanted to have an extremist Islamic state take over the entire world. That's apparently not being taught in our schools. We need to to do a much better job and then to understand the heroes of United 93 and and, uh, the first responders and how they gave their lives running up a tower that was burning. Um, They're very, very powerful stories. And to get your question to, you know, how do we get kids excited? You know, America is a story. Uh, It's an amazing story of freedom and liberty of people willing to put themselves on the line to to give up their blood and treasure, to to put it all there so that we could be free. And instead, we have these caricatures, you know, of of our founders, of being racist, uh, uncaring, just trying to protect their property. There is nothing further from the truth. Some of them were racist, but nothing further from the truth that they didn't put themselves in line. Many of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence were thrown in jails. They were, served on, they were stuck on prison ships. They got very ill. Some of their homes were utterly destroyed. Uh, they had a flee uh, from oncoming British troops. Uh, Sam Adams and um, uh, others were uh, targeted for arrest and execution. Uh, they really put everything on the line. And if you learn about those stories, you would have a greater appreciation of how unique the blessings of liberty are and that America was at the forefront of that. But we don't teach that stuff. We teach these caricatures and criticisms without understanding the broader truth. And so we really need to do a much better job in our system to tell the real story of America. We're not perfect, Mm -hmm. never will be, but we're striving to be and that's what makes all the difference. 
Yeah. That idea of story is foundational to history because, you know, facts and figures, and like you say, we're hearing so much uh, negativity about our founding, about our history. Uh, But, you know, any, any piece of history is this very complex story full of of humans who have uh, who have gifts and talents and abilities and flaws and we have to tell the whole story that is critical so as as you have done that as as you through patriots week and through speaking at schools as you have told young people that whole story of of america's history has you've educated them on the founding documents if you would, just maybe share uh, one or two stories of, of young people who you have found be particularly impacted or, or families who have really benefited from the resources that you all at Patriots Week offer. Well, there is a real hunger uh, for this, and, and that is very encouraging. And I've had um, many students – I'll give you one example. This was kind of silly, but I went into a school that my daughter was attending – And I gave uh, a Patriot Week speech, and we talked about the suffragettes and how the suffragettes uh, worked so hard. They, um, uh, you know, from the 1840s all the way to the 1920s, worked for women's suffrage, the right to vote, how the 19th Amendment was adopted, how women had to, uh, they were the first people to protest during wartime, during World War I. They sat outside of the White House and said, you know, give us our rights. Um, they, they went on hunger strikes. They were abused. And then finally, we got the right to vote for women. And students don't know that story. They, they just think, well, of course, women always had the right to vote. Or, or, yeah, there was this amendment, but they don't really understand how hard it was for women to achieve women's suffrage. And then many of the students said, you know, I thought women's suffrage was about women suffering that you know they were hurting, not that it meant that they could vote. And I was like, wow, we've gone so far afield that they don't even know the basic terminology. Um, I've, I, so I've, you know, we've had a lot of people that have come up to us and and really have appreciated our uh, our, our message, have been inspired by it. Uh, we've had contests and, and, and other um, activities where students have been able to display their patriotism. One time I went into a school for Patriot Week and the whole school was red, white, and blue uh, up and down the corridors. You went into the French class and they were learning the Pledge of Allegiance in French. You went mm-hmm. to uh, the music class and they were doing uh, patriotic songs. And what I heard from the educators was they, they never... You know, they love this stuff, but they never had a reason to do it. And so now they did. And that was very important. Another example was uh, we had a 9-11 commemoration and firefighters came in and they were talking about 9-11 and what happened there. And then they got a call where they had to go to a fire. And so they, they ran out and the teacher and the students were like, wow, we just saw in action the bravery and courage of our first responders and what they have to go through every day. So there's a lot of stories, and uh, it's unquestionably making a difference on a a person-by-person basis. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's excellent. Well, and for all of our listeners, if if you want to get involved and jump into Patriot Week and start pulling on these resources, whether it be, you know, in in your own family, if you're a teacher in your classroom, uh, if you have a, a community group, a rotary club, you can get your community involved 
You can visit patriotweek.org. All of the information is there. And Judge Warren, I I also want to mention your book. You've written an excellent book called America's Survival Guide, How to Stop America's Impending Suicide by Reclaiming our first principles in history. Uh, you can get that book on, on Amazon, at your local bookstore. It's very, very excellent. Uh, Judge Warren, thank you so much for the work that you're doing at Patriot Week for taking action when your daughter pounded her fist on the table and said, what are we going to do about this? We really appreciate the work that you all have been doing for so long, and especially that you're doing this week during Patriot Week. Well, thank you very much. It is my pleasure. I love you guys. Uh, it's a great program, and it's so you know we're we're working on the same issues in different ways, and it, it's so important that everything that you folks do at Heritage, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America. Oh, thank you so much, Judge Warren. We really appreciate your time. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you about the most popular resource on the Heritage Foundation website, the Guide to the Constitution. More than 100 scholars have contributed to create a unique line-by-line analysis of our Constitution. The guide is intended to provide a brief and accurate explanation of each clause of the Constitution as envisioned by the framers and as applied in contemporary law. There has never been a more important time to have an understanding of our founding document. So if you want to learn more about the Constitution, go ahead and visit heritage.org constitution or simply search for Heritage Guide to the Constitution. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? In response to Rob's recent interview with Debbie Gatte, we received this letter from Janice Taylor of Colorado Springs, Colorado. She writes, Thank you for Rob Bluey's lovely podcast interview and the related video on the Philanthropy Roundtable's True Diversity Campaign. It was nicely expressed recently in my church as the priest reminded us that we each have free will and every individual is special. And in response to Fred Lucas's article, 15 million votes in 2020 election not accounted for, report finds, Joseph Pascucci writes, mail-in voting is an invitation to cheat, period. It was not necessary to institute mail-in voting in 2020 in the first place except to facilitate cheating and fraud. People were free to use absentee ballot systems if they did not want to vote in person because of COVID-19. Absentee ballot requests provide signature comparison data, which mail-in votes do not. Yet, I fully agree with the necessity to maintain voter eligibility lists, and the Public Interest Legal Foundation is certainly doing the proper thing in trying to ensure that federal voter registration laws are enforced. But it matters just as much whether mail-in voting nonsense is being practiced by a state. Failure to maintain accurate voting registration lists makes it easy to cheat, whether voting in person or by absentee ballot, just as much as for mail-in voting. Your letter could be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com. The Heritage Foundation has a new website to combat critical race theory. CRT, as it's known, makes race the centerpiece of all aspects of American life. It categorizes individuals into groups of oppressors and victims. The idea is infiltrating everything from our politics and education to the workplace and even our military. Heritage has pulled together the resources that you need to identify CRT in your community and the ways to fight it. We also have a legislation tracker so you can see what's happening in your state. 
Visit heritage.org CRT to learn more. Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today. Over to you. Thanks so much, Rob. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 is a reminder to us all of just how important our first responders really are. Every moment counts after someone has been critically injured. Washington, D.C. police officer Taylor Brandt has taken that truth to heart. She used her medical training to save nine lives over the past year, which was her first year on the job. Commander Ralph Ennis at the Metropolitan Police Department Academy told ABC News 7 that Brandt exemplifies what it means to serve as an officer. She embodies what we want from our police officers, and um, she truly understands that policing is about helping people. Brandt uses a specific kind of training known as tactical emergency casualty care. This emergency medical care has allowed her to save nine lives so far because, as she says, police officers are often the first ones to arrive on the scene of a tragedy. We're the first on scene to provide medical care, and our first goal is to preserve life, which often results in us trying to prevent blood loss. Officer Brandt first used her emergency medical training just two and a half weeks after being sworn in as a D.C. police officer last summer. She and her training officer came upon a man who was lying in the road by his car. They got out to help him and discovered he was badly wounded. Brandt relayed the event in a D.C. police video and explained that she put tourniquets on both his legs before an ambulance arrived. He was transported by DC FEMS to a local hospital and he ultimately survived his injuries. So in my year on the street, I've used seven tourniquets and two chest seals on various scenes ranging from gunshot wounds to suicide attempts. And it's incredibly important that officers have access to this equipment because quite frankly, minutes matter when it comes to saving lives and providing medical care to injured citizens. We're so thankful for officers like Brant who patrol our communities and are literally saving lives every day. We sure are, Virginia, and it's so good that uh, you're celebrating the success and the work that they're doing because I think too often in so many media contexts, they're not being recognized for the good work that they're doing. So thank you for bringing us that good news story today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Rob. Well, we're going to leave it there today for the Daily Signal podcast. You can find us on the Ricochet Audio Network, and all of our shows are available at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing. If you like what you heard on today's show, please head over and leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.